This is Train to Perform, the undisputed alpha podcast in training, fitness, and sports performance. Here, you'll develop your skills with the cold, hard facts in fitness, sports performance, recovery, and nutrition. Real, tried and true, evidence-based facts that have been proven to move you faster, move you stronger, and move you forward. Now, here's your host of Train to Perform, Julian Sisman. First, I want to thank you for you know taking your time out. I really appreciate it. Um, I know you're a busy person. Um, oh, good. Okay. And uh, I, you know, it's uh, to take your time is it, it, very valuable. So, <laughs> I want to make this um, kind of brief. Uh, I mean, I want to. I have a few questions. Um, sure, but. Uh, it's one of those things where I just want to learn about, you know, your story. Um, I know you've been all over with soccer. Um, I'm a, I mean, I've played soccer pretty much since I was like four. <laughs> um, I've de- I messed around with a little bit of European soccer, but not like high level. Um, but, um, mostly in the U S. Um, but, um, I have a friend that is, uh respects you highly that i work with um okay he's a uh roma fan (laughs) (laughs) they're they're a very passionate group (laughs) yeah so um he'll probably be listening to this and he'll he'll crack up um but you know to start off like i really really like first thing is like you know what's your story like why did you um you know get into you know performance training um I mean, I'm sure you weren't, uh, you know, I mean, I could be wrong, but, uh, thinking that you're going to be a performance coach for soccer, I don't know. Um, yeah. but just kind of, just kind of briefly talk about that. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's not something I was like, Oh, this is what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a former athlete. I grew up ski racing from Northern Alberta in Canada. So pretty much the farthest thing removed from soccer. Um, and grew up ski racing and ended up racing in college, um, down in the States. And so ended up taking, you know, I wanted to stay in sports, but wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Like the medical aspect of stuff <clears throat> ended up taking my athletic training and biology degrees in undergrad. And then had a speed and development kind of, uh, consulting company after that ended up going back to PT school, um, became a physical therapist, had a practice in Seattle, uh, for a, a couple of years and then had the opportunity to go work for a company, um, that was formerly known as athletes performance now Exos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was kind of my first stint in working in kind of high end performance, um, with athletes. And so we saw all kinds of different groups, you know, whether it's elite military, football, basketball, soccer, you name it, um, ended up, they got the contract with the German national team in 04, with, uh, when Jurgen Klinsmann took over, um, I wasn't involved in at that time. Um, but, uh, ended up, yeah, moving back to the mountains. We wanted to get, uh, kind of back to the mountains. And, and so, um, still consulted with Exos, ended up working for a pro cycling team for five years, uh, going back and forth to Europe. And then the opportunity with Jurgen came up when he took the job at Bayern Munich. And that was kind of my first stint in, European soccer, um, Mm -hmm. or soccer in general. And, uh, so I was a fitness rehab coach there, um, stayed for a couple of years, came back. We had some family stuff we needed to take care of and, uh, 
then joined back up with what was then Exos and um, working, doing some stuff with technology with Adidas, then joined the German national team in 2011, um, helping in their camps, and then was with them for the World Cup of 14 and again in 18, um, which it didn't work quite, quite as well the second time. Um, and then uh, had the opportunity to be the high-performance manager at AS Roma. So that started in 15. And then, uh, again, our kids were getting older. Uh, need to get them out of high school. So moved back in 2000, uh, end of 2018 after the World Cup in Russia. And um, then joined uh, a performance intelligence company um, called Kitman Labs as a director mm-hmm. of performance science for them. And, uh, and then in 2000, January, 2019, um, had the opportunity to join up with Greg and his team with us men's national team. And so, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at today. So what, uh, what was your reasoning for transit and kind of going back to the beginning, what was your reason for, you know, doing ATC and then transitioning to a PT? Like, um, yeah, were you, were you doing ATC work or was it just, it made more sense to be a little bit, you know, more of a higher level type type rehab? Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was really to gain more knowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. and two, from a kind of billing, what you could do, the flexibility of what you could do it with, you know, you were limited by, um, kind of different legal scenarios in, in various States where the PT side of things just opened a lot more doors to have both sides of it. Um, and then the other one was just have a greater knowledge base of, you know, treating and understanding injuries uh, and things of that nature. Okay. So um, at um, Athletes Perf- oh, Exos now, um, was your main role like as a, you know, physical therapist or were you doing mostly uh, sports performance work? Um, yeah, in that role was more as a physical therapist and then mm-hmm. kind of return to performance work with the athletes. Cause obviously you're rehabbing them and then, uh, driving their rehab program, integrating it with the strength and conditioning side of things. Okay. And where was, um, you know, the demographic where you working with mostly pros college, or is it something where they had a setup where you were working with all ages? Yeah, it was mainly pro and then college. Uh, and from the college side, it was a couple individual college athletes that would come through, but mainly uh, combine prep guys that were, you know, college guys making their move to the to the professional uh, ranks. Um, so that was kind of the main demographic at, at that point. What do you feel that was um, sort of, you know, something that you learned a lot from Exos that, you know, kind of helped you propel you to where you are now. I mean, I know they're a huge company. I have their ex, uh, you know, uh, performance specialist, uh, certification. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's it's a great certification. Um, a lot of good education comes out there. Um, a lot of great, you know, strength coaches have come from there and still do. Um, you know, I guess what, what is something that they, you feel like they do right. That's helping, you know, to sort of keep the, you know, them at this high level, I guess. Yeah. I think it's the systematization of performance training, right? Like having a a really good structure 
that no matter what information you learn, um, you can attach it to that structure. And it provides also, because you have that structure, it provides you this checklist of, you know, what are all the things I need to cover with this athlete? And then, you know, a good structure to make sure you can uh, put those all in place to, to move the needle. And then again, as you acquire new information or as new information comes out or research or studies, it's easy to kind of pull that book off the shelf and put the new one back in. Um, but your whole reference kind of library and system is all intact and integrated and kind of full, full, um, 360. Okay. And, um, is that, so what, uh, were you part of the, um, the, the development of bridge? I know a lot of, uh, companies use it, um, you know, private facilities. Is that their, like, did they come up with that or is it something where they kind of partnered with a company and that was developed or how, yeah, how'd, no, that, how'd that come about? Yeah. Bridge is an independent company. So Michael uh, Scharf is the, the CEO of Bridge. Um, and they, yeah, they're a software startup that, you know, saw a need in the, um, in the industry and, you know, they're probably a, a best of class tool in that area. And, um, you know, and then I think they just developed a partnership with Exos to, you know, be able to, um, get their programming out to the, to the masses. Cause as you mentioned, a lot of people go through the education program and then having a tool to actually get that, those programs out to clients in a really efficient, clean way, um, was what they were, what they were, uh, you know, looking for and, and bridge obviously can do that. How, how, I mean, I'm sure you're a little bit biased on it, but how would you compare bridge to, you know, the other, uh, similar, uh, tools that, you know, strength coaches are using. I mean, I know there's a number of different tools that are used at college level, uh, private high school and things like that. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't fairly say one way or the other because mm-hmm. I haven't had the time in like a team builder or team heroic that I've had in bridge. So, mm-hmm. um, I think their models are a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if I, I could be wrong, but, um, I think with a few of them, they have this kind of app store ish kind of model where you can buy programs and download and do stuff that way where, you know, bridge doesn't have that. It, um, and so I think there, you know, I'm sure there's pros and cons to everyone. I've just, mm-hmm. I've used bridge right from the get go. And, uh, you know, super familiar with it. I, I like the fact that they're consistently developing new features and upgrading their programs and upgrading, you know, their software. And they take, you know, the, the input from the, the consumers that are using it and the coaches that are using it to, to upgrade it in the best way possible. And, you know, from my experience, at least for the folks that I've worked with, uh, you know, the, the user experience on the client end um, or athlete end has is, is, is also been good. Awesome. So kind of going back to, uh, you working with, uh, very, you know, pro level players, Mm -hmm. you know, you've worked in the pros, I guess here now. Um, and then you've worked in Europe, you know, what do you, what do you feel is the, um, the difference in sort of the culture around like S and C, you know, return to play, um, is it much of a difference at that level? I mean, do a lot of the guys buy in? 
Um, do you see it trickle down to the, you know, the lower levels, um, and helping like the youth and it help you know, kind of like, uh, developing players. So they're, you know, you, you, you work at probably two of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, especially Byron where, uh, I'm sure at the youth level, strength and conditioning is pretty, you know, uh, utilized that, you know, consistently. And I'm sure at Roma is the same thing. So do you feel like it's helped uh, players develop there or is it mostly a different, you know, different from, you know, Italian and, and the German point of view versus, you know, the U.S. point of view? Yeah, um, it's a good question. It's a complex question mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, um, you know, I was at Bayern, gosh, 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not sure what they've updated uh, since yeah. I was there. Um, I think, you know, with the globalization of information and the internet, mm-hmm. uh, I think things are becoming more consistent around the globe and you don't have these kind of massive cultural differences as much as you used to. Um, with that said, you know, I think soccer or football, European football is a sport that is very highly technical, has a highly uh, high technical demand to it. And so obviously the motivation is to spend as much time playing and spend as much time training with the ball as possible. So that's kind of first and foremost. Um, But with that said, you know, the athletes only spend three to 5% of the time game time with the ball. The rest is Mm -hmm. getting from A to B. And Mm -hmm. so I think you're, you know, you're seeing a shift uh, in general in the soccer landscape to implementing more strength and conditioning uh, to, to improve performance outputs. Now, as it relates to kind of, you know, North America to, to Europe, um, I would say that in, at least in my experience in North America, there's a much, uh, bigger appetite for the weight room culture, um, just because of, you know, all the different sports and the sports science and the marketing around it and the stuff you see on ESPN and things of that nature, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, us is a marketing machine. So that information and those stories get pushed out there. So they're a a lot more mainstream, um, where in Europe it's, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's certainly happening. Is it happening to the extent it is in the States? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I would, you know, if I had to go to Vegas, I would say not, but, you know, with my time at Rome, we definitely had an extensive strength and conditioning and, and performance program set up through the academy, uh, it, you know, to the first team where, um, where, you know, kids were moved along from a developmental standpoint and, you know, certain requirements were, were trained at, at earlier ages so that when they got to the next level, they could be built on and move forward. So, you know, those kind of things take time to see the fruits of their labor, like Arsenal is another great example, just, you know, knowing Shad and, and being there uh, and kind of witnessing it. You see that there's definitely um, a bigger effort there. So I think it's, it's certainly happening in the UK from what I've noticed. Um, but it's probably not as prevalent. It's getting more prevalent in, in more of the European cultures. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm just, you know, 
me working in sort of the private sector and working with, you know, younger kids, um, and then obviously seeing the, uh, and having conversations with a lot of college coaches, I mean, college strength coaches, um, you know, and, and you, and you probably see it as well, that it's a, it's, it's a huge, um, you know, the value for, especially at the college level, cause you know, the, the way that the game is played at that level, it's, um, it's much needed, I guess. Um, I could say, um, no, but I, and I, and I totally understand when it comes to the pro level, it's a little bit different, uh, especially in Europe. Um, I'm sure not a lot of players buy in, maybe I'm wrong because they quote unquote say like, I've gotten here. What do I need? You know, additional things, you know, additional support. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly make the argument that yeah. America doesn't produce as much soccer talent as the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we're, you know, as it relates to soccer, we're putting too much emphasis on getting in the mm-hmm. weight room uh, mm-hmm. where they need to get better ball skills and game skills, yeah. right? So they can go play. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's what coaches want. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're first and foremost, they're scouting players based on their technical ability and knowledge of the game. Um, and obviously you need some physical requirements to execute on those pieces, but, um, you know, the order of importance is, is ball work and, and knowledge of game and being able to read and and solve the, the problems within the game. Um, and then from there, you know, you continue to enhance all the other pieces and, um, you know, I, there's definitely, um, a lot of guys in the pro ranks that are totally bought into what performance training does for them, both from a, you know, a performance side as well as a career longevity side. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of guys that aren't bought in, they will get there um, because they realize, you know, and, and you see it in any sport, not just soccer, that, you know, when you're young, you're a little invincible. And until you kind of suffer your first big injury or you're aging and, and competing for positions get a little tighter, then you're starting to, you know, like, okay, now I need to peel the onion to really squeeze out every little piece of talent or, or ability to, to express the talent as possible. Um, so like, you know, I think just, and this is kind of hearsay, but, uh, from colleagues, you know, just the professionalism of, of Lewandowski and, and what he's doing. Um, and I think there's a few of the, the German players that are like that and, and what they give to their, um, what they do, you know, uh, in the weight room with a, a nutritionist or chef, like they're taking care of all the pieces and, you know, you see his dominance on, on the field, mm-hmm. uh, as well, you know, at a, at an older age, Obviously, yeah. he's not that old, but, you know, kind of relative to the sport, still performing yeah. at a very high level. Yeah. So talking about injury, um, you know, what did you see was a, you know, an injury that seemed to always re- occur and maybe reoccur with a lot of the high level pro athletes? Um, and maybe kind of give an idea of like what, what your suggestions on, you know, return to play, because I'm sure a lot of what you see at that level occurs at a youth and college level as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, probably the most common in soccer is muscle strains, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. whether it's quad, probably hamstring more dominant than quad or adductor groin. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, you know, and the cause for those can be multifactorial, right? Like there's not one right. thing where it's like, oh, you have hamstring problems. I'm going to do a bunch of Nordic exercises and, and my hamstring problems are going to go away. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's not the case. You know, people are really strong in their Nordics and there's still hamstring problems. So, um, you know, it's very individual to the person. Sometimes it could be a mobility issue. That's, a, you know, kind of the main point that's the limiting factor. So there's compensation. Sometimes it could be a stability factor. Uh, that's the main point. Sometimes it could be just, are they physically prepped for the demands of what they're trying to accomplish? And then it can be all the above, right? Like those are just three of many factors that could be causing that. Um, You know, did they get enough sleep? Are they recovered enough? Did they, you know, what kind of nutrition are they putting in their body? Are they drinking alcohol and going training the next day? You know, like all these things add up to, to uh, these problems. And so it's not a, it's not an easy kind of one-stop shop. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, kind of having the overall education that it is a multifactorial scenario and that you do need to, um, you know, do all the right things to mitigate the possibilities uh, of yeah. those. And, you know, I think w- I mentioned the physically prepped and then there's the, you know, the physically recovered. So are right. you playing a bunch of congestion fixtures where you're, you know, not recovered enough and just the accumulation adds up to the point that your, you know, your body breaks. So, um, yeah, variety of, of factors that go into that. Was there a huge difference in, uh, working with Roma versus working with Byron as far uh, as like, you know, you know, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to say injuries, but just like, you know, the way that they prepared the way, cause I mean, you know, everybody has their ways. Um, I feel like the Germans are like, crazy and want to go hard all the time you have the and the uh you know you have the italians are very very technical uh you know the preparation might be a little bit different yeah i mean each culture has their kind of read on things um Mm -hmm. definitely in germany things are structured and systematized and they do you know when we uh when i was at Bayern, we did work very hard um Mm. and you know, didn't have a lot of injuries, but it was done in a very progressive, appropriate fashion. I think, you know, it's also led by the philosophy of the coach because, you know, for the most part, they're driving the bus of, and saying, yeah, we'll do this or no, we won't do that. And, and, you know, yeah, we'll do it for this long or we won't do it for that long. Um, and so, you know, good or bad, I've had the opportunity to work with gosh, 11 or 12 head coaches, um, over the last 13 years. And everyone does it a little differently. Um, is there a right way or a wrong way? I would say my what I've seen to work the best is coaches that are uh, really organized. Um, they have a good plan. Uh, they work that plan and continue to upgrade their plan. And um, and then yeah, progressively overload their players. You know, at at higher intensities than would be expected in the games. And as a result, you know, the, the guys are fit, fast, strong, and, and yeah. have a lower propensity for, for injury. Awesome. So um, now that I guess you're back in the U.S., I mean, and I know you're still working with Kim and Labs. 
what kind of brought you back into the private sector uh, more? Are you are you more into the private sector or are you more into uh, work, just working with U.S.? I know you're yeah. doing both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm contracted by U.S. soccer 17 weeks a year. So it pretty much covers all um, national team breaks and tournaments uh, as well as any kind of um, support time needed to support our players around the globe. Um, you know, executing on on whatever it is we need to accomplish to to reach our goals, and then you know the the kind of the reason for joining Kitman was around you know one of the problems I was trying to solve at Rome is we were collecting all this data, um, and we had a good chunk of data, but I didn't have the tools uh, or the resources to you know kind of do the research around and answer more applied questions with it. And, you know, once I spoke with Steve uh, Smith, the CEO of Kitman and understanding the direction of where they were going, which Mm -hmm. was exactly that, um, that was really intriguing to me. And the fact that I could work with multiple organizations, not just one and helping them, you know, put this process in place and move it forward so they can, you know, ask real time applied questions with their data, um, you know, that was really intriguing to me. And it also, from a lifestyle um, perspective, was was helpful. I can live in this background behind me. Uh, travel, obviously, to meet with teams and groups. But, um, you know, it allowed me to, to kind of be in a place that I could spend more time with my family. As, as, as you know, the last, you know, 10 years has been in uh, pro soccer. You don't get a lot of time off to take family vacations or celebrate birthdays or things of that nature. So... Um, to, to have that, uh, was, was great. What, uh, just curious, like, what was the, what were you trying to solve at Rome? Like, was there a specific, like, uh, piece of data that you were trying to figure out how to, uh, like what's going on with it? Yeah. I mean, when you start collecting data, the first mm-hmm. kind of step is just reporting on those data streams, right? Like, mm-hmm. so what was wellness, what was, how much did you sleep? How much did you mm-hmm. train one day to the next and so forth and loading mm-hmm. variables. But then mm-hmm. it's that multifactorial scenario that they all have a piece in this puzzle. So, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, how much is too much? How much training is too much training before somebody gets injured? And then what are all the variables related to that? And so you end up with this kind of multifactorial analysis and and then, you know, does GPS have a 30% weighting factor, you know, as to the cause of the injury? Is it the strength that's the bigger propensity and how much of each do you have to pay attention to? And at what point is that critical cutoff that, Hey, I need to make sure if all my guys are above this level or that, you know, as it relates to their body and body type, um, you know, what is that? And, and so, um, yeah, that's where I couldn't solve that. I could do basic, you know, kind of stuff, univariate analysis, looking at correlations and relationships and statistical scenarios. But as we just chatted about it, these injuries and situations are very multifactorial and, and you need the resources to be able to, to look at them as such. Yeah. So how do you <clears throat> talk about sports science? Like, how do you see, you know, you know, do you see S and C more evolving to more of a sports science standpoint and, and kind of living in that space um, and using sports science as a way to do S and C, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, that's where it's kind of funky. Our language um, gets us caught up 
in, in, mm-hmm. in things that's a problem, right? Like if you're a strength and conditioning person, hopefully you're applying science every day. So, and if you're a physical therapist, hopefully you're applying science every day. If you're a doctor, you're applying science every day. So in actuality, we're all sports scientists, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're all have our nuance in in the sport itself. And hopefully we're all applying the best of science to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think where the catch is, is the ability to utilize data. So what's your data skills and computing skills like to, to do that? So um, are you going to see, you know, in SNC programs or athletic training programs, there should be some, um, you know, some more statistics, um, uh, computing-based classes, because that's the new, that's the way things are going, right? Yeah. Computing, helping you do all this stuff and yeah. you need to know how to write formulas in Excel and query data sheets and do power pivots and, and things like that. Because that's, you know, if you're collecting data, then you need to analyze that data. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that's where, if you have that skill and I know practitioners, like I have some base level of that skill, I wouldn't call myself exceptionally exceptional mm-hmm. in, in the technology side of things. Um, but I do know people that are, you know, strength and conditioning people first that have unbelievable, um, computing capacities, uh, you know, using R or, or Excel or or those things. So they have both, both, um, pieces. They have the, be able to look at the lens through an S and C or an athletic trainer or a physiotherapist, but they also have the ability to, um, compute all the information necessary to get you the, the information you're looking for. Awesome. Um, so with the U S national team, I mean, um, is like, how, how is that, how's that going with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit different than, the, you know, working with the German national team. Like what, what do you see is like sort of a, the difference? How are the players, um, sort of, um, how's their attention towards like what you're providing for them as like, you know, SNC physiotherapy and things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm super excited about where the U S program is, uh, yeah. uh, and where the potential is. Um, yeah. you know, we've had the most players we've ever had playing in champions league teams across mm-hmm. Europe. Um, so, you know, a lot more talent, all that talent is like, 23, 24 or younger. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when I look at, you know, 2022 and 2026, um, you know, I think the coaching staff is probably one of the best coaching staffs I've ever been involved with, um, you know, with Greg at the helm, um, you know, phenomenal planner, communicator, organized, um, constantly looking to improve, um, you know, no, leaving no rock kind of unturned. Mm-hmm. And, and then all the support staff and assistant coaches, performance coaches, uh, have that same mentality. And so everyone's kind of got their ego aside, just trying to, you know, do the absolute best job possible. Um, and I think the, you know, the players are very responsive to it. Um, I think they, they recognize the quality, um, they appreciate the quality, uh, they're learning, which at the end of the day, that's kind of the, the number one thing. Um, and then they, I think, you know, you'd have to ask the players, but, uh, I think they appreciate all the support that they get, um, 
you know, on the performance nutrition therapy, medicine, uh, that side of the fence as well to, to help them execute on their goals, both at the club and in the international side of things. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I hope they do well. I mean, uh, I think you're right about with them being very young. It's a, it's a, I think it's a huge benefit for the long-term success. Um, and I think the biggest thing is the fact that a lot of them have sort of started their careers, um, at the high, at a, you know, the high soccer level, um, overseas. I think that's going to be, um, a sort of like gives them a leg up on a lot of the older players, um, just because of the high level of soccer that they're playing. Um, so I think you're right about that. I think, you know, the next couple of world cups should be interesting to see, uh, the results that, you know, so last couple of questions here. Um, you know, what is, uh, what is something that, you know, you've, you, you've done essence, uh, you know, been the strength coach, physiotherapy for some high level places currently still do it. You know, what, what would you suggest to like somebody who's, you know, um, you know, an up and coming, you know, strength coach, um, you know, how to sort of get to where you are or, you know, you know, continuing to learn, you know, things on a daily basis, you know, and, and maybe, you know, walk in your footsteps. At, at yeah. Um, gosh, I know if I were to set out on this path, uh, today, I, I don't know if I'd ever, ever would have got there. Um, <laughs> so I think part of it, you know, I always kind of use this saying that who, you know, gets you there, what, you know, keeps you there. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, you know, trying to, um, expose yourself to as much information, no different than you just said about soccer, right? You want to expose yourself to the best in the field to, to know what's possible um, mm-hmm. and to try and up your game. I think, you know, trying to walk through as many doors as possible to see what's on the other side. I think you can mm-hmm. learn a ton just from observing and, and watching how things are run and, and looking at gym setups and looking how teams operate um, you know, with the advent of the internet, uh, the, the globalization of information, like it's so accessible, it's almost overwhelming. Like where do you start between Twitter, Instagram, you know, blogs, podcasts, it like sometimes my, my brain's going to explode, you know, I can't process the information fast enough. Um, so yeah, I think it's just getting out and making the effort. You know, I've had people, say to me like, Hey, Darce, I want to do what you're doing. Um, you know, what do I need to do? And, and you say, you know, like I had to make sacrifices and move my family to Europe and, you know, move them to maybe cities that I wouldn't necessarily enjoy living in long-term. And, yeah. and, you know, and I, and one story that kind of comes to mind is somebody asked me that and I, I was like, Hey, I think, you know, there might be a role for you in this city. Um, and they're like, yeah, I don't want to live there. And I'm like, okay, then, you know, like, <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, your answer. Yeah. So it, it's, you got to be willing to kind of make sacrifices to get mm. to those steps, take extra time. Um, it's just, it's the way it is. And, and, you know, and if you, and I totally get it, if you're not willing to do it because you have, you know, other values are, are important. Um, then, then, uh, that's totally respectful. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, you got to be honest with yourself and, mm-hmm. and also it certainly can be done. So if a, you know, a kid from 
Northern Alberta can work for a European, you know, soccer team. I think it's really open to anybody, right? Like I even had a coach ask me, um, how does a guy from Canada <laughs> end up working for Bayern Munich um, and Northern Alberta, Canada? So um, yeah, it's, it's not a common path, but it's possible. So yeah. uh, it's just a matter of, of putting the work in to get there. Like, you know, just like an athlete um, making it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and playing at one of the best clubs in the world. Like I'm sure if you were to ask Lewandowski, you would just be like, you just got to work at it and sacrifice. And when people are doing this, you're doing that. And, mm-hmm. um, and you just put in your time and energy and effort and, and keep working your process and eventually you'll get there. So along those lines, how would you talk, talking about, uh, you know, an athlete, you know, going through the ranks, um, you know, you know, kind of going back to the beginning, we're talking about the, you know, the necessary, what, why SNC is necessary for, it's not always necessary, but, you know, we, for soccer, we want to focus on, you know, ball work, ball skill, get around the ball as much as you want. But do you recommend or suggest to young athletes that, you know, SNCs can help you um, 100%, for certain 100%. aspects? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, it's, it's movement skill acquisition, right? And as mm-hmm. we mentioned um, that, you know, when you play soccer, you only have the ball like 3 to 5% of the time, some mm-hmm. even less. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the rest of the time is, is you know, running to accept the ball or defending mm-hmm. somebody that has the ball. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, having the bigger repertoire of movement skills, strength, mobility, power, stability, all that stuff is going to give you the opportunity to better read, uh, you know, to, to when you read a soccer situation to apply mm-hmm. the best response. And mm-hmm. so, um, so it can certainly certainly help if you take somebody that's extremely uncoordinated and somebody that's extremely coordinated and you put them in the same circumstance, um, you know, saying that they have the same power output and, and strength, just that coordination factor, the guy that's, or the, the person that's more coordinated is going to have the better opportunity to be successful. Um, so it, it's certainly, uh, useful hundred percent like the, the more, you know, a lot of skill acquisition is also learned in just playing the game. Right. Yeah. Sometimes the patterns that are developed aren't necessarily a pattern that you want for the long term, And so that's where, you know, kind of making and, and teaching those things. So your path is the path of least resistance, not more resistance. Cause I've worked with some <clears throat> unbel- like pro soccer guys that are playing, you know, in first league, European teams that are some of the most uncoordinated guys I've ever worked with. Um, and so, you know, is it to say like they were able to do it, but they just outwork the, the, the competition and that's their compensation or their superpower. And so if you improve their, you know, uh, coordination and efficiency, they're able to, to work even, even better. So um, yeah, you get all shapes and sizes. I think it's just like that running research of, you know, VO2 and running efficiency. The guys that have poor running efficiency have better VO2s and the guys that have um, better VO2s have typically have lower running efficiency, but it washes out to the end goal of 
you know, winning a race or, mm-hmm. you know, executing on a play to get the ball in the net. Yeah. It's interesting that, um, I mean, I, I, I don't doubt that you've seen some high level soccer players being very uncoordinated. It's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it happens a lot. Um, so last thing I just want to kind of touch is, you know, you know, you know, going, I mean, we kind of talked, just talked about this, but like other tips that you would give to a youth soccer player, um, as far as, you know, strength conditioning, taking care of their body, nutrition, um, that, you know, could set themselves apart, um, to, you know, you know, we're in the U S a lot of kids want to play college ball. Um, maybe make it to the next level after that MLS, whatever. Um, are there any tips that you would say to youth kids to help them to get to that next level? Yeah. I mean, I think in all sports or in life, Mm -hmm. you're faced with a lot of hurdles uh, Mm -hmm. and a lot of obstacles. Um, Mm -hmm. it's your kind of love for the game or whatever it is you're trying to pursue Mm -hmm. that allows you to get over those obstacles. Um, and so kind of maybe one book I recommend is it's a book called the obstacle is the way by Ryan okay. holiday, uh, okay. to kind of embrace the, embrace the suck or embrace the process because it's the process that's going to get you there, uh, as easy or hard as it is. And it's in, in, um, you know, our, our goal is this outcome, but you get there and all of a sudden it's not, you know, kind of good enough or it's not what you thought or, or any of those pieces. So. I would say just try and have as much fun doing what you are trying to do to get there. And, um, you know, and that's all the above of what you're saying, just trying to live a kind of performance lifestyle, you know, so strength training, performance training, technical, tactical training, you know, all, all sides of it, just have as much fun while you're doing it. Cause there will be days that, you know, there's shitty weather, there's, you know, maybe you're having some knee pain, maybe, you know, the coach gave you a hard time or, you know, life's just holding you down that, um, get people to not train or not do those things. And then that is the the piece that kind of is holding you from your goal. So, uh, I think just trying to enjoy it as much as possible. Um, because one of the things that kind of hit me, uh, and it's going to sound super obvious when we were at the world cup in 14, you know, we're six weeks, you're in this tournament, And regardless of the day, if you just rolled a ball out onto the field, the guys would have fun with it. Like they would do whatever. They just pick it up and start playing and having fun. And, you know, like you just got to love it. If you love it, you'll get there for sure. It's just your, you know, you just, because you're going to be faced with those hurdles that are going to keep you from doing what you need to do. And you got to have the passion to, to, kind of overcome that awesome well uh i appreciate again like i said in the beginning you taking the time out to talk to me um it's always good to learn from myself a little bit out of this <laughs> um uh but uh appreciate it and um thank you again and i uh, hope you have a good rest of the day and uh look forward to chatting with you sometime yeah well again. appreciate it I'm glad you got something out of it um hope the listeners do as well and um, 
yeah, it's uh, appreciate you just reaching out. I think that's, yeah. you know, like we talked about, if you don't, if you don't try, then it's not going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was telling, I was telling somebody this exact same thing that you just said. Uh, if you don't, uh, if you don't, you know, reach out, there's that quote that they say, it's like, if you don't, if you don't ask, it's always a no. So yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you know, we kind of get those preconceived notions in our head. And so, you know, I, I tend to, I like to be helpful and try and, you know, pass on my experiences, uh, you know, to benefit the greater good for, for where it can. And, um, you know, obviously I can't, I try and answer all the emails I get and, and questions uh, I also have to prioritize things to allow yeah, me to get cool. to my goals, but you know, if I can, I'm certainly happy to help and, awesome. uh, or at least, you know, get people moving in the right direction. So, um, yeah, appreciate you reaching out and nice meeting you. And Thank you. Nice meeting you too. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate All right. it. All right. See you. Have a good day. All right. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to Train to Perform with Julian Sisman. Learn how you can work with Julian in a personal training session, either online or in person at prepareforperformance.com. And follow on social media for more tips on training, fitness, and sports performance on Twitter at jsisman_pfb underscore PFB and Instagram at prepareforperformance.